Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Bench Talk, The Week in Science. I'm Dave Robinson, and we've got an important show for you this week. We are going to bring you information about what's going on in the Kentucky Legislature this month. There are literally hundreds of bills that come up in the Kentucky Legislature every session that have some sort of scientific or educational angle to them. And we're going to try to touch on some of these on the show today. Leading the effort on this is the Kentucky Academy of Science and a group called the Kentuckians for Science Education. These two nonprofit organizations are keeping a close eye on what's happening in Frankfort, Kentucky this session, and they've prepared a short report that we're going to play for you now. Now, I have to tell you, this is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. So, any viewpoints expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views with our listeners, let us know. You can email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. First, today, we'll hear a nine-minute rundown on important impending legislation. And then we'll focus specifically on just one. It's House Bill 51, called An Act Relating to Facial Coverings in Educational Settings. This bill, if it becomes law, would prohibit any public school and any public college or university in Kentucky from requiring faculty or staff or students to wear masks in response to COVID-19 outbreaks. An important aspect of this bill is the question of whether or not masks actually protect us from the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. This issue has become really politically polarizing, but we're going to try to bring some science into it. But first, let's hear from longtime Bench Talk contributor, Dr. Trent Garrison. Take it away, Trent. Well, hello, and thanks for having me. I'm Trent Garrison. I'm the past president of KES, the chair of the Education and Advocacy Committee, and I'm on the Executive Council of Kentuckians for Science Education. So the Kentucky Academy of Sciences ENA Committee meets every Wednesday at uh, 1230 p.m. in conjunction with KSC's committee, who studies policy and that sort of thing, to discuss bills of the week related to science and education. That's a mouthful, I suppose. But I'm here today to talk about the bills that we've ranked as the highest priority by our members. We rank them on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being ones that are most applicable to science and education. Our review team consists of approximately 10 people from KAS and KSE. We very much appreciate their ongoing support as we track bills every Wednesday, and it can get quite laborious. So any help is very much appreciated. If you're interested in policy, feel free to reach out to us. We could use the help. Our policy director, Rob Weber, does an excellent job, by the way, of keeping track of them. We simply don't have the capacity to review all of the bills that come up during a long legislative session like this because there will likely be around a thousand of them in total. But we do have the ability to identify the ones that are related to science and education, and that'll probably be somewhere in the ballpark of a third of those bills, maybe 300, I would guess. So we've already reviewed over 150 of them. And out of that 150, the ones that have ranked the highest priority above, let's say, seven, seven and a half, those are the ones that we're going to discuss today. Okay, so we're just going to go down the list, starting with the ones that are ranked the highest. 
But before that, I'll just say that these are listed on the Kentucky Academy of Sciences webpage. If you go to the home page and you go to the tab that says programs, and under that it says advocate for science, and under that legislative issues of 2022, though I believe Amanda's going to move that to our homepage. So the top bill. The first one is HB 361 it has an applicability rating of 9, and it's one that we reviewed last year, Make Water Fluoridation Programs Optional. That's one that we opposed last year in conjunction with the Kentucky Dental Association. Its sponsor is Representative Hart, and it has not yet seen any action. The second bill is HB 338. That's the PFOS bill, Representative Kulkarni. It has not seen any action. And that would direct the Energy and Environment Cabinet to establish maximum PFOS chemical limits and monitoring requirements. HB1 is the next one. That's the state executive budget. Of course, we all want to keep an eye on that one. The next one is HB57. That prohibits schools from requiring vaccinations. Sponsor is Representative Hart. And last action was on January 4th when it was referred to committee. So that might be something of concern to folks. The next one is HB 285. That's the, another state executive budget bill, uh, bipartisan one. It's in committee. Uh, next one is HB 410, and that one restricts Kentucky Department of Education's ability to require professional development, and that shifts it to local. The sponsor is Banta, and it is it has not yet seen movement. HB 189 bans certain plastics and other. If you follow policy, you may remember this one coming up several times in a row now. Its sponsor is Representative Marzian. It moved to committee on January 4th, but it's not expected to get very far. HB 295 is a beverage container recycling fund, and that is sponsored by Representative Wilner, and it was to committee on January 13th. HB 378 establishes a 988 mental health hotline, similar to 911. Sponsor is Representative Banta, and it has not yet seen much action, but there seems to be an appetite for that. HB 235 establishes a healthy soils program, Representative Fulcarney, and it was to committee on January 6th. Senate Bill 138 is one of the many CRT bills, critical race theory bills. It would require teachers to teach impartially race, sex, etc., and require them to use certain historical texts. There's been a lot of criticism about this bill. It's been in the news a lot. You may have heard about it. Senator Wise introduced this one, but there are several others. HB 52 prohibits employees from forcing vaccinations. It was introduced to committee on January 4th. Senate Bill 1, superintendents and principals make the decisions not to school counsel. By Senator Schickel, it is moving as of just a few weeks ago. House Bill 112 prohibits children from vaccinations without parental consent. Representative Baker, that was introduced January 4th. HB 28 prohibits public employees public entities, excuse me, from requiring immunization disclosures. Representative Maddox, introduced January 4th. HB 45 is the advanced recycling bill that you may remember from last time. That one needs a second read. It, it can get confusing. Representative Bowling, and it is on the move. It's had the third reading. 
one of the bills here, not a lot of them in our categories have seen a lot of movement, but this one has. HB 51, not requiring masks in educational settings, introduced January 4th. SB 51, ban certain plastics and other. That's a companion bill to the one we discussed earlier. HB 21, prevents requirement of vaccine passports by Representative Reed, introduced on January 4th, hasn't seen movement since then. SB 57 deletes Kentucky Efficient School Design Trust Fund. This one gets a little bit complicated, so feel free to look that one up, and it is on the move. HB 277 establishes a student loan forgiveness program, Representative Thomas, and it is on the move as well. HB 352 provides protection for nurses and doctors who are not using approved medications. That's Representative Maddox. It is not moved. HB 452, a new one that caps tuition rate at 5% for in-state students and 7% for out-of-state students through CPE. Representative Lawrence, Republican, has not yet seen movement because it was just introduced. HB 298, full-day preschool. Representative Regina Huff, Republican, introduced to committee. That one may see some movement. HB 234, add proprietary schools to the Keys eligible institutions. Representative Lawrence, it's bipartisan and on the move. HB 209 gives a 5% pay raise for state employees for the next two fiscal years. Representative Graham introduced to committee. HB 84, liability protection for businesses and vaccinations. Representative Gooch, Republican, introduced January 4th. Hasn't seen movement since then. Senate Bill 137, gender change under 18 protections by Senator Kerr. It's a bipartisan bill. HB 136 establishes a medical cannabis program. Representative Nemus, it's bipartisan. This one may actually see some action this year. We'll see. HB 99 exempts churches and others from vaccines and mask requirements. Representative Wesley, Republican, introduced January 4th, hasn't seen movement since then. HB 253 prohibits a referral for gender transition under 18. Another one from Savannah Maddox, introduced to committee, hasn't seen movement since then. SB 130 allocates money to doctors and nurses during COVID from the federal government stimulus. That's Senator Alvarado, Republican. It's a new one. HB 14, HB 18 are more CRT bills. HB 33 deletes Kentucky Efficient School Design Trust Fund, Representative Branscombe, and it is to the Education Committee. HB 108 requires the Energy and Environment Cabinet to examine packaging waste program. Representative Donahue has not yet seen movement. So those are the top 39 or so bills that we've been following. You can go to our website and find out more about these. This is just a very quick review that I tried to do in under 10 minutes. Again, if you're interested in joining us and learning more, feel free to reach out to us, and we will happily invite you to do the bill reviews with us. Thank you very much for listening. That was Dr. Trent Garrison of the Kentucky Academy of Science and the Kentuckians for Science Education telling us about some of the more important bills working their way through the Kentucky legislature this year. Thanks much to Trent and the KAS and KSE for keeping us informed. We'll put a link on our SoundCloud and Facebook pages for the Kentucky Academy Science webpage that provides continual updates on the current status of these different bills. So check that out.
You can also do an internet search for Kentucky Academy of Science Legislative Issues 2022. And if you would like to help or just discuss this with Trent or others, the best email address to contact them would be ky, the number four, sci at gmail.com. That's ky, the number four, sci at gmail.com. And before you go thinking that by the time you hear this, it's going to be too late to be involved, let me remind you that this is an even-numbered year, so the Kentucky Legislature will remain in session until April 14th, 2022, so there's a long ways to go. Now, one of the bills that Trent mentioned is House Bill 51. That bill is about child care centers, public schools, and public colleges or universities in Kentucky, and whether these institutions can require staff and students to wear masks or not. If HB 51 passes, the answer would be no, these institutions would not be able to require masks. And this doesn't mean that mask mandates at these schools would be an option. Mask mandates would be prohibited. Now, if you've been listening to Binge Talk in recent weeks, you know that we've been discussing issues raised by skeptics of the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, this question of masks is just another example. People who don't want to take the coronavirus vaccine are also often reluctant to believe in the value of wearing a mask as a means of protecting ourselves and protecting others from contracting the COVID-19 virus. Famed vaccine denier Robert Kennedy Jr. is against mask mandates. Legendary rock singer Meatloaf raged against both the COVID-19 vaccine and the wearing of masks for more than a year before dying in January of 2022, reportedly of COVID-19. And sure enough, the WFMP radio program The Climate Report, who we've been critiquing the past couple of weeks, they also went on record in their written manifesto opposing the use of masks. The Climate Report says that masks, quote, probably do more harm than good, unquote, well, let's hear more about HB 51. Let's take a listen to a recent meeting of the Kentucky House Standing Committee on Education about this question. This meeting was held in the Capitol Annex building in Frankfurt on February 15, 2022. And I'll stop occasionally during the hearing to add a little bit more background. The chair of the meeting is Representative Regina Huff. She's going to introduce Representative Lynn Beckler, Republican from Marion, Kentucky, an original sponsor of this bill. So let's tune in. Next, we will hear um, House Bill 51, an act relating to facial coverings in the education settings. If uh, Representative Beckler would please come to the table. Thank you, Madam Chair, Vice Chair Riley, and members of the committee for allowing me to present House Bill 51. It's a straightforward bill that makes facial coverings optional in schools. I bring this bill to you because of the problems brought on by mask wearing. Children's suicide rates are up. The CDC in a study has shown that it is up over 50% for girls and just 40% for boys. We communicate more 
with more than just voice. Facial expressions are necessary to understand not only the words, but what the person speaking is trying to get across. And there are speech delays. There's a problem. Uh, it's called glue ear, which I had never heard of before. And many children suffer with it, and it can lead to temporary hearing loss. Uh, you know, we've gotten back to phonics and trying to uh, make sure that the people we're speaking to, the children, understand something called phonological awareness. And it is difficult, for example, the person you're talking to is wearing a mask, to differentiate between a P and a T. That's very important. Masks have caused asthma and breathing issues. Masks create a warm, humid environment which is an ideal setting for yeast, bacteria, and other flora, which supports acne. I'm sure that you've all noticed that acne is worse during the pandemic, uh, especially when wearing a mask all day. Children are the least likely to catch, spread, and suffer with COVID. Kids put masks and purses in their pockets, pull them out when they're going into school, take them off when coming out, whether they're going to uh, just outside for a, a break, and then when they, they shove them back in their purse or their, or their pocket, and then they pull them out again when they go back to school, go back to the school building. If you take a look at sporting events, you'll note that masks are almost non-existent, and the, the crowd is largely made up of adults who are much more likely to catch and spread COVID than our children. And the spectators are also closer to each other than the children are in class. I have been able to find no instances of a mass COVID spread after a sporting event. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware, the president's home state, and Oregon, none of them hotbeds of conservatism, all have announced an end to school mask mandates. There have been studies that show that masks don't work in lessening the spread of COVID. Even our own University of Louisville has reported that. Parents should be able to make their own decision regarding masks through high school. College students can vote for president. Shouldn't they also be allowed to make their own masking decision? Madam Chair, I'll end my presentation. That was Representative Lynn Beckler, the original sponsor of HB 51. And Representative Beckler seems to be blaming masks for a lot of things here. Childhood suicide, speech delays, troubles recognizing facial expressions, glue ear, asthma, acne, and altered awareness of specific sounds. Now, we've discussed the difficulties in communicating while wearing a mask on Bench Talk in the past. Just check out our shows of August 10th, 2020, and February 15th, 2021. It's a problem. I'm not quite so confident, though, about a link between mask wearing and childhood suicide. The pandemic has been rough on our children for lots of reasons, not just wearing masks. Isolation, having to attend school online, missing out on celebrations like birthdays and graduation, the stifling of normal relationships, etc., all of these things are undoubtedly affecting the emotional health of our children. 
Having to wear masks all the time is probably part of the problem, but not the whole problem. In fact, you could argue the opposite, that the wearing of masks actually allows for more face-to-face -face social interaction, since it provides some level of protection. Beckler says that asthma could be exacerbated by masks, and I can certainly imagine that, but I'm not sure about acne. There are other pandemic-related factors that might be causing kids to have more zits, poor diet, eating too much and eating the wrong things, not getting as much exercise, emotional stress. Those things might affect acne as much as wearing masks. Oh, and then there's glue ear. I, too, had to look up that one. Glue ear is when the middle part of the ear canal fills up with fluids. This interferes with hearing because it dulls the sound. Glue ear was actually quite common in children between the ages of two and five, even before the pandemic. One reference I found stated that even before the pandemic, 80% of children under the age of 10 had experienced at least one episode of glue ear, especially in boys, especially in the winter. Representative Beckler also mentions a study on mask effectiveness that comes out of the University of Louisville. Since this is a science show, we need to take a look at this paper. It was written by a faculty member in the Department of Biology at UofL and was published in 2021 in the International Research Journal of Public Health. The two authors, who are both cell and molecular biologists, conducted this epidemiological study by looking at COVID rates in 49 U.S. states and compared that with whether each state had a mask mandate or not, and then at what date the mask mandates were first adopted. They did a lot of fancy math in this paper, but basically they concluded that early mask mandates did not tend to influence COVID-19 growth rates in the continental U.S. So, Representative Beckler is citing this paper as evidence that masks don't really work. And I should point out that in spite of their not reporting a link between masks in general and COVID-19 outbreaks, the authors of this paper did state that N95 masks, rather than the other kind of masks, along with vaccinations, better room ventilation, and air circulation, could help reduce the size of COVID-19 outbreaks. Now, there are some criticisms of this paper. Not long after it was published, a rebuttal to this article was issued by seven researchers at the School of Public Health and Information Sciences at the U of L, as well as the Department of Public Health in Louisville Metro Government. Their review concluded that, quote, we found this article poorly structured with a sketchy and biased description of the background and a seriously flawed methodology and improper analysis, hence a wrong conclusion with vital consequences." Unquote. One of the sources of this criticism about methodology could be because neither of the two authors of that paper were professional epidemiologists. Their backgrounds seem to be more oriented to the laboratory rather than having a lot of experience analyzing public health data. 
The UofL epidemiologist who wrote the rebuttal provided a bibliography of alternative research publications that do show that masks reduce the risk of transmitting respiratory infections. They provided links to 18 different papers showing that masks do work. Now, getting back to the House Education Committee hearing, I can tell you that this committee ended up voting yes on the question of moving HB 51 forward. All of the Democrats who were there voted no, as did two Republicans, and there were another three Republicans who voted yes, but had serious reservations. Why did the opposition vote no? Well, one of the more common reasons that members of the House Committee spoke out against HB 51 had to do with local control. Sure, other states are eliminating their mask mandates in the near future, but HB 51 isn't just about ending mask mandates. It's about eliminating the local school decision-making process on the question of masks. If a school or a school district or a college was having a particular problem with COVID, under this law, they would not be able to require their students to wear masks. Mask wearing would have to just be an option for students. So HB 51 appears to still be a type of mandate, but instead of being a mask mandate, it's kind of an unmask mandate. Now, there are five members of this House Committee on Education that represent different parts of Jefferson County, where most of Bench Talk listeners actually live. They are all Democrats, and they all voted against HB 51. Let's listen to one Louisvillian right now, Representative Attica Scott. Representative Scott. Thank you, Chairwoman. Uh, in the bill, you talk about mutated strains of COVID-19 and uh, not mandating the requirement to wear masks on public school premises. But the reality is we have public mandates about public property. And if the bill itself is acknowledging that there are uh, mutated and multiple strains of COVID-19, why would we not want to protect ourselves and especially our most vulnerable, our children from this global virus? because masks don't work. That's not true. Thank you, Chairwoman. Well, we're hoping to address this question of whether masks work or not right here on Bench Talk, if not today, on our next episode. The CDC recently reviewed the literature on mask effectiveness and cited 18 different papers. So there is an abundance of evidence for the argument that masks are a good way to prevent the spread of the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. But what are these research papers that supporters of HB 51 are talking about? Well, there's that UofL paper mentioned previously today. That's one of them. And then there's two papers that U.S. Senator Rand Paul had cited in his argument that masks don't work. You know, he's the one that refuses to wear a mask in the U.S. Senate chambers. Well, I've just read these two papers that he cites. I would like to review them for you, but unfortunately, we've run out of time. So to hear more about these papers, tune in to the next episode of Bench Talk the Week in Science. We're here on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, broadcasting from beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. 
where there is still a little room for evidence-based rational analysis. Thank you and bye-bye.